0: On Saturday, two powerful bombs turned the peaceful rally in Ankara into a bloody nightmare. According to the leftist pro-Kurdish People's Democratic Party, HDP, so far 128 people have been killed and over 500 injured, some of them in critical condition. The anger against the government of President Erdogan has been evident in the aftermath of the massacre, as tens of thousands of people took to the streets, shouting slogans against the government, chanting, Murderer Erdogan! Murderer Police! Immediately following the horrific attack, the government censored news coverage, banned all photographs and any associated images that, quote, create fear and panic, quote. Officials warned that any Turkish media organizations violating the ban would face, quote, permanent blackout, end quote. Shahram Agamir spoke with Istanbul-based political scientist Dr. Osman Shaheen about the train station bombing in Ankara and about civil society organizations and political parties which took part in the planned peace rally Saturday in Ankara.
1: main organization uh, was DISC, actually. It's called uh, Revolutionary Workers' Union. It's a trade union as you can understand from the name, which was established, if I am not mistaken, in 1967 as an alternative to Turkish. Turkish was a kind of state-sponsored American-type you know, trade union, whereas DISC was the leftist type of organization. So uh, this call for the peace rally, it was a peace rally, as you very well know, after f- seven June elections, I think in 20th of July, if I am not mistaken, the war between the PKK and the Turkish army restarted, and it claimed hundreds of lives. And uh, we have an election ahead, so the major goal of this peace rally was to make a strong stand for peaceful, you know, resolution of the conflict. And if that's not possible, as soon as possible, you know, at least provide a ceasefire up until the elections. Other organizations which participated in this event were, you know, again civil society organizations with leftist socialist leanings and two political parties. One is HDP, pro-Kurdish leftist party, and the other is CHP, the Kemalist party.
2: Osman, the October 10 twin bombings in Ankara have been characterized as the worst terror attack in the history of modern Turkey. How has the Turkish government responded to the twin bombings in Ankara?
1: Well, I will say nothing unexpected or surprising. Well, as usual, the Turkish government denied any responsibility and claimed that security was not unlaxed, which was actually a false statement. Those who live in Turkey will know that any rally organized by leftist factions will always meet heavy security measures in Turkey most of the time the police would prevent it illegally I say illegally because right to demonstrate in Turkey is a constitutional right it's in the constitution you can get the English version of of it and read it and it's there but you know despite that I have seen many occasions uh, where the police prevented it but on that day of the massacre well, simply, and this is, you know, statements by many participants in that meeting, there was no police. For instance, a journalist from who had, uh, one of the major mainstream media institutions, newspapers in Turkey, he says that he saw only three traffic police on the day of the massacre, which is quite unusual, I must say. And on the day of this massacre, in a press conference, Reuters journalists, she asks the question to the ministers of interior affairs and justice, whether they think about resigning due to their responsibility for lack security. And the justice minister met this question with a laughter. He felt that this question was not a real question, but a joke.
2: A a laughter in the wake of such a horrific incident.
1: Yes, uh, he thought that the question that this journalist, this female journalist asked, was funny she asks whether you are going to resign or what you know because people think that you have some sort of responsibility in that and he laughs
2: speaking to reporters co-chair of the leftist people's democratic party hdp uh, selaheddin demitrash mentioned that police forces attacked the scene of the explosions in ankara with tear gas soon after the incident and hindered the access of ambulances He added, it was obvious that there was an intention to increase the number of deaths. He said, and I quote him here, we are facing a state mindset that has become a mafia, murderer, and serial killer that wants to take society captive. What do you make of Mr. Demirtashe's remarks? And does his assessment resonate with a significant segment of the population? First,
1: I have to tell you that Mr. Demirtas does not talk without proof. If you go online, uh, there are three footages on, on YouTube which actually show the riot police beating up people with uh, batons and firing tear gas while you can still see the fumes of explosions. There were some members of Association of Turkish Physicians in that peace valley and right after the meeting, those physicians, because they were physicians, they were trying to help the wounded but they had to flee because they couldn't breathe due to tear gas. There is also another footage, again on YouTube, which shows that the people, again right after the explosion, had to fight the riot police to open the road for ambulances. So he is not making any allegations, he is just stating the plain truth. It's online, you can see it. Second, just a day before this peace rally, In Vize, Vize's hometown of Mr. President, President Erdogan, a convicted mafia boss, his name is Sedat Peker, he called for a rally in support of governing AKP and Mr. Erdogan. And now I quote his words, the words of this mafia boss, one day we will spill the blood of those traitors. And by those traitors, he actually refers to anybody who is leftist, because... Who is a leftist is practically a, a traitor in his eyes. And I promise you, he says, my friends, there will be a lot of blood in Turkish oluk oluk kanakat he says. This is a mafia boss calling for a rally attended by, you know, hundreds of people in the middle of a town and protected by the police, and he makes those statements just a day before this peace rally. I'm not saying that you know, Sedat Peker, this mafia boss, is responsible for the bombings, but it actually reflects upon, or sheds a light upon the mindset of the state and the government in Turkey. So, you tell me, what would you think of a state apparatus that allowed and protected the value of this mafia boss while attacking those people in Ankara who were actually trying to recover their dead and wounded from explosions. So the classical state theory, political theory 101, tells me that people submit a part of their sovereignty to the state so that the state this abstract institution will protect their property and lives. I do not see that kind of state in Turkey. In Turkey, the state is above all, but it must be citizens first. But here in Turkey, I personally think that the state can do anything to its citizens and then justify those actions, those illegal actions most of the time, by referring to the interests of the holy, you know, quote-unquote, holy Turkish state. Therefore, I think that his statements resonate with an important part or segment of the Turkish society, foremost the Kurdish people, Alevis and leftists in Turkey.
2: Osman, Mr. Demirtas and others have drawn parallels between the October 10th massacre in Ankara and two recent bombings, one in HDP's Diyarbakir rally in June and the Suruj massacre of July 2015. Referring to these bombings in Ankara, he said, and I quote, the forces behind this massacre will not be revealed either because there is an explicit force behind it, just like in Diyarbakir and Suruj. Mr. Demirtas is charging the Turkish state, or certain elements of it, with being complicit in these killings. Can you talk about that and help us understand which forces would possibly benefit from such atrocities?
1: I think I must say it is not only Mr. Demirtas, but even some government officials, including Deputy Prime Minister Numan Kurtulmuş, for instance. He just made a statement early in the morning or late in the. Even in yesterday, I, I am not really sure, but he talked about the resemblances or parallels between the Ankara massacre and the previous two massacres, the one in the and Surge. So we can argue that the same terrorist cells you know, organized, sponsored by ISIL, probably instigated these attacks in Ankara. And here, Mr. Demutaj, he refers to the plain fact that those who were masterminds of these attacks in Diyarbakır and Sürcünür were never found. Well, suicide bombers were, were identified because they were dead already, so, wait, right? We were not even sure, and we are not even sure today, that the police is looking for the, these masterminds, since Turkish courts immediately issued orders of confidentiality on investigations on the Arab of and Ankara massacres. So we know nothing, simply nothing, about the proceedings and, and investigations. So attacks of various magnitudes, again, this is what's happening in Turkey for the last five or six months, if I am not mistaken. Attacks of various magnitudes targeted hundreds of HDP offices and even the headquarters of HDP in Ankara, and only a handful are arrested by the Turkish police. And most of these attacks on HDP offices are actually documented. Those who attack branches of HDP in different cities of Turkey, they also, you know, with with their cell phones, they record it. TV cameras are there, the police are there, but nobody is arrested. And one more thing, this you might find quite interesting, before the attack in Diyarbakır, which killed, if I am not mistaken, five people, the police actually detained the suspect, Orhan Gokgurs, an ISIL member, who fought with ISIL in Syria.
2: That's Islamic State in Syria.
1: Yes. Yes. He was detained in his hotel two days before the explosion. He was listed as a terror suspect. The police knows that. But however God knows why, the police releases him. And two days later, he plants the bombs in the meeting arena of HTP. Bombs go off and five people die. How are we going to explain that? I think the second part of the question, who will benefit from such appalling acts? Well, ISIS will definitely benefit from these attacks, as these attacks, especially the one in Ankara, which is the capital of Turkey, and the bomb actually exploded in the heart of the city. It helps the organization to keep its ruthless and invincible image especially in the eyes of its sympathizer base. Plus, do not forget that you know these are revenge attacks on Kurds and socialists who inflicted important damages on the image of ISIL in, in Koban and Talabiyat. Those also who want the continuation of the war between the PKK and Turkish army would also like to see these attacks continue. If the masterminds behind these attacks provoke the war, the continuation of the civil war between the PKK... Uh, By the way, I should maybe explain... On the very day this attack happened, the PKK actually declared a unilateral ceasefire. So if this attack can convince or provoke the PKK to resume the fight, this might erode the power of the HDP as a legitimate political actor in the eyes of many in Turkey. And this is something... AKP would would like to see. This actually is one of the major campaigning items of AKP in uh, elections ahead. When you listen to AKP officials, you see that they always present HDP and the PKK as one. HDP is a political party. The PKK is an illegal organization, is an armed organization. But AKP officials, the prime minister, the president, Ministers of the government, they do not differentiate. They just want the people to perceive the PKK and the HDP as one.
2: The AKP is the Ruling Justice and Development Party, to be clear. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. It's the initials. But they can present HDP as a kind of extension of PKK as long as the fights continue. So a peaceful environment will not do the task for them. I must say. And plus, if you have enough cows, you can even postpone the elections. Honestly, we don't know how people will behave in elections. And one thing about Justice and Development Party or AKP is this. This is the political party in Turkey which makes opinion polls every other month, every other week to say the least. So they actually follow the trends much better than any other political actor. So maybe postponing the elections is better than having elections on 1st of November.
2: You mentioned the Justice and Development Party, the elements within the state. Is it possible that there are also elements within the military and the security apparatus belonging to the old Kemalist establishment that could benefit from such atrocities?
1: Turkey is a, is a land of conspiracy, so I am always open to that kind of thought. I mean, We were educated, trained in, in this way, but let me tell you this. One of the major achievements of the AKP during its years in power was to subdue the military. The military, which actually was a real political actor, was for the first time maybe in Turkish history subdued by by a civilian government. Uh, This was something new and novel. But I do not believe that the AKP government has full control over the Turkish military. So if there is enough chaos, there is always potential for a military coup. Well, when you look at the 1990s, Jitam. Jitam was a kind of secret organization within the army, which fought the Kurdish guerrillas, the PKK, by using illegal tactics. So some people argue that Jitam is gone, but we don't know it yet. So, maybe GTM is still there and has a hand in these attacks. I am not really sure, of course. Referring to my first point about this relationship between the military, the AKP, and, and the history of coup in, in Turkey, well, there are three military coups in Turkey, and all these military coups were actually preceded by a chaos. I'm talking about real chaos, people dying.
2: Turkey is a Nobel laureate Orhan Pamuk has warned mm-hmm. the country could collapse into sectarian conflict. He said a country at, at peace has suddenly found itself at war both against the ISIL, the Islamic state, and the Kurds, referring mm-hmm. to PKK you just mentioned. He's blaming President Erdogan for the brutality displayed in the October 10th massacre in Ankara. Mr. Pamuk added, I'm worried because I know that in the end, Erdogan wants to govern alone, at all costs. He doesn't want to share power.
1: Well, uh, civil war is a real possibility in Turkey. I mean, I wouldn't think about it a couple of months ago, but now I really have my doubts. I am coming from a small city called Kurshev. Kurshev is a city of around 200,000 people, where you have Kurds and Turks uh, living side by side for decades. Uh, for at least, I don't know, 150 years or so. Only a month ago, when uh, the clashes between the PKK and the Turkish army killed a soldier from Khrushchev, a mob started attacking Kurdish shops and bookstores. So 17 shops and bookstores belonging to Kurdish people were set on fire. Again, I see the tension all around streets of turkey when people are tense and people are ready to you know fight and even today there was this uh, national soccer game between turkey and iceland so before the soccer game there was a kind of a minute of silence people were actually chanting allahu akbar and booing so this shows that, you know, especially in Konya, which is quite a conservative city, some part of the audience who were there didn't have any respect for the victims of Ankara massacre.
2: Osman, what can you tell us about the restrictions that the Justice and Development Party, AKP-led government has imposed on the Turkish media in the aftermath of the massacre in Ankara?
1: Uh, Nothing new, actually. From time to time, we experience quite slow internet. I think yesterday or the day before, I was not able to access Twitter for a long time. I always have VPN uploaded on my phone. So do people around me, my girlfriend as well. Kurdish news news sites are shut down regularly by the government. So they add up new names to those Kurdish news sites, but they're also shut down. And uh, I must tell you, there is no court decision allowing them to do that, allowing the government to do that legally, but they are using Office of uh, Telecommunications to prevent access to these websites. Again, the government also forced cable companies such as Digiturk, Kablonet, and TVB to remove uh, some opposition TV stations, including those TV stations affiliated with Fethullah Gulen,
2: he Who yes. used to be an ally of AKP until... Yeah,
1: n- n- no more an ally, uh, but a kind of enemy. Right. right. Now
2: they are, yes. Yeah. Because there was a so. crackdown on his supporters last year. Yes. And yes. this
1: year. Well, I mean, it, it was actually a fight over the ownership of the state and its resources sure. uh, for the time. For the time being, Erdogan seems to be prevailing, but we don't know what will happen in the next you know, couple of months or years. IMC and Hayat, these are two you know, news stations, somehow closer to the Kurdish movement. They were not on these networks anyway. So there is nothing new on the Western Front in this respect.
2: Okay, finally, uh, Osman, uh, you mentioned mm. there is an upcoming election in November in Turkey. Mm. In the Turkish general election that took place in June of 2015, the ruling Justice and Development Party, AKP, failed to garner sufficient votes to form a government on its own. Therefore, there is a new election scheduled for November 1st. How will the October 10 tragedy in Ankara impact the upcoming election?
1: Well, again, it will be difficult to say something as voter behavior is quite unexpected, you know, However, at the very least, I would say that this attack increased or furthered polarization in an already polarized society, and those chants in Konya Stadium uh, was a very good example of that. Uh, My guess is that more Kurds will stop voting AKP and shift their allegiances to the HDP, and it it is actually a process that was already visible in June 7 elections. Kemalist CHP might increase its votes by one or two percent. There might also be some nationalists reverting back to the AKP if they blame lack of a single party government for all this chaos. But overall, I do not expect radical changes in votes if, and this is very important, if elections in Turkey remain free and fair. Well, we can say many things about 7 June elections, but we cannot say that these elections were, you know, elections with fraud. They were free and fair elections. If these elections that we will have, that we will hold on 1st of November are also free and fair, I don't expect a single party government. I don't expect AKP to increase its votes radically. I actually expect a slight increase in the votes of HDP and and CHP, and a a slight decrease in the votes of Nations Action Party, MHP, and maybe, maybe a slight increase in the votes of AKP, but that's all.
2: Osman, anything else you want to add?
1: Well, any state needs consent, consent is legitimation and if you don't the consent of the people all you are left is coercion okay i mean regarding the kurdish issue for 10 days a small town which has like 160000 people a small kurdish town they inflicted a curfew on that town for 10 days and they didn't allow the people to bury their dead and it was the people of jizre i'm talking about the youth who fought the turkish army for 10 days how could we expect the people of Jizre to be loyal to this state if they cannot trust the police, if they cannot trust the government? Can you imagine that in that town, the police, by using their megaphones, making announcements, you are all Armenians and you will pay for that. This is the Turkish police you know, making those announcements. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. You asked me before if civil war is a real possibility, with that kind of behavior, with that kind of uh, police, uh, you know, firing tear gas on dead and wounded, uh, using police megaphones to call people, you know, Armenians. It's not an insult in my eyes, but, you know, I know that Turkish nationals they use Armenians, or the word Armenian, to insult others. So this was the goal. It's sad, but it's dangerous. It yes. might, it might, You might end up with a new Yugoslavia in a matter of weeks before you know it.
2: Dr. Osman Shaheen is an Istanbul-based political scientist. He spoke with Shahram Agamir. You can follow Dr. Shaheen on Twitter at Osman Shaheen. For further analysis on the developing situation in Turkey, please visit jadmagazine.com. We'll provide links on our website at bumina.org From Pacifica Radio, this is Voices of the Middle East and North Africa.